Those Space People, a podcast series of casual cosmic conversations with people working on exciting space projects. Today we have Juan Peña. He is the CEO of Orbital EOS, a Spanish company that develops maritime solutions using satellite data and artificial intelligence. Juan has a background in oceanography and remote sensing, and he's currently based in Valencia, Spain. Hello, Juan. Welcome to the show. Uh, hello, Ratana. Good morning. Pleased to be here. Juan, you've spent more than a decade at the Spanish Maritime Safety and Rescue Agency. So can you talk about your work there and what led you to create Orbital EOS? Yeah, so thank you very much for the question. Yeah, I started to work with the Spanish Coast Guard or European Maritime Safety Agency, which is the, the long word for the entity in 2008. And they were looking for a very specific role. Uh, they had bought three uh, aircraft, uh, very big uh, aircraft for maritime patrol. This was after some years after the prestige accident in, in Spain, which caused one of the worst environmental disasters in, in you know, Spain history, a major oil spillage in the coast of, of Spain. So I guess that the government reflected about, about the problem, about the issue and, and the level of preparation of the country for a disaster like this. And uh, they found out that many other countries in Europe had already some uh, aerial assets uh, in order to uh, detect and characterize oil pollution at sea using airborne remote sensing. So they bought, you know, they, they made a, a huge investment in this technology and they bought three aircraft uh, equipped with remote sensing equipment in order to detect and characterize oil pollution at sea. And there was another role which was uh, search and rescue operations. Actually, it was, for me, it was just a coincidence. I was looking for, for a job at the time. And uh, I think I fit in the kind of profile they were looking for, because I had some background in, in maritime science and oceanography. But at the same time, I had been working for the airport in, in Alicante. And I studied, I prepared for air traffic control as well. <laughs> You know, oceans and air, you know, were, were connected in my curricula. Uh, that was a bit strange, but it was perfect for them. So the role that, that they were looking for is console operator. The long name is tactical coordination officer. And basically, it's the people on board the aircraft who manage all the sensors and have, you know, have to take care of the mission rather than piloting the aircraft. And what led you to create Orbital EOS after that? Yeah, so it's a very good question. So um, we were involved in, in this, um, you know, very interesting, rewarding, but demanding as well job, you know, try to save lives at sea and, and trying to take care of the ocean. So there was a moment after 12 years uh, being involved in that, in that uh, mission that um, we kind of thought, okay, this is very cool. Uh, this aircraft is amazing, but not every country can afford this, first of all. And uh, we have a limited reach, right? Even for Spain or for Europe, because an aircraft uh, is, you know, uh, operated by people. And unfortunately people has to rest. Uh, we have to sleep and uh, uh, aerial regulations are very strict there. And at the same time, even if you work very hard um, and you follow the regulations on a global scale, you know, you cannot afford to monitor the oceans 
24 hours a day. But unfortunately, the threats are there 24 hours a day. So in terms of oil pollution. So for instance, we have to gather information about ships you know, producing uh, oil pollution deliberately. So they discharge oil at sea rather than declaring in at port and, and properly disposing this waste. So for them, it's just a behavior to save money. And uh, the first years uh, when we started this uh, operation, it was incredible the amount of pollution that we found in Spanish oceans. So after some time working for the Coast Guard, there was some kind, yeah, some uh, a deterrent effect, what, what they call. So uh, ships start, started to be aware of, of, of the surveillance. So they started to you know, behave in a more responsible way. But if you think uh, about this problem, you know, in terms of, okay, let's, let's look at it on a global scale. It's a global issue, you know, ocean pollution is a global issue. So what is happening in Indonesia? What is happening in New Zealand? What is happening in South America? So there are around 95,000 ships in the world currently, uh, which basically are responsible for the world trade. So they're a global asset for, for us, uh, but at the same time, it's a threat for, for the ocean uh, if there are behaviors that produce uh, pollution. So we joined a master program in remote sensing in the University of Valencia in order to try to find out the, the solution for this. We had been involved in, in you know, operational remote sensing, but we decided, uh, a colleague and, and, and me, we decided, okay, let's come back to university we, have, we haven't been in the university for a long time. So why not, you know, coming back uh, as adults to the university, let's catch up with the new science. And it was a very, very good decision to make because that's, that was the moment in which, the, you know, the remote sensing and the artificial intelligence were overlapping. And I, I'm very proud to say that, you know, every single uh, line of code or every uh, knowledge that we got from that master it's applied today in our company. So I remember laughing a lot with some colleagues and some teachers explaining to us, look, if you uh, learn this properly, maybe in the future, uh, you can apply this in, a, you know, in order to solve a problem in the world. And I, I replied to say, no, no, I'm going to apply this this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's more or less the story. Um, Actually, we're a young company. We started in June 2019. You know, as a startup, everything moves very, very fast. So quite proud of, of what we have achieved so far. That's, that's very interesting. And it's definitely very exciting to go back to university after spending some time as a professional, you know, in the real world. Absolutely. Definitely. So Orbital EOS focuses on maritime applications. So can you tell us about the different kinds of applications that you focus on? Yeah, uh, sure. Of course, you can define uh, your strategy as a startup in many different ways. Uh, for us, I think instead of trying to be a solution in search of a problem, we, we try the opposite. Okay, we had a very deep knowledge about the problem. So let's find out, you know, what is the best solution for this? And, and we found out that solution in, in, in the university. So, okay, we have been doing this with aircraft for a long time, but we know the, you know, we know the constraints. Uh, first of all, the cost is very high. Uh, secondly, there are frontiers in the air. So, the, you know, the air regulations, we kind of, for instance, we found 
some oil spills in the ocean that were in the middle of two countries. And so we couldn't report them, you know, we couldn't enter the airspace of another country like, I don't know, Morocco or, or Algeria. That was an issue for us. In geographical terms, you know, the area of ocean that you can monitor, it's big, but it's limited. You know, there's a limitation to, you know, in terms of fuel, in terms of the, the aircraft that you use and so on. So for us, it was like a revelation. Okay, let's use satellites, you know, let's fly higher. It's a straightforward solution. You can, you can reach any point of the globe as far as the, there is a satellite uh, overpassing that place. So we decided to design a solution, uh, a solution uh, which is called EOSPIOWER, and, and it is a digital platform that provides global oil pollution intelligence and is uh, powered by AI, deep learning, so this is the main, let's say, solution that we have designed so far. Uh, we uh, work on, on some other fields like ship detection as well, and things related to environmental challenges, but not pollution uh, in the maritime domain, like coastal erosion, for instance. We did a very interesting pilot with a company here in Spain in order to understand how the, the coastline of Spain evolves you know, due to coastal erosion. This is a huge problem, as you know very well, because of global warming. So in the past year, uh, the last year we had a huge storm here in the Mediterranean. So the consequences were, were that we, we, lost, we lost a lot of sand, you know, and that was even compromising the touristic season for some areas of the, of the coastline, especially in Spain, that we are a very touristic country. So, you know, Northern Europe spends yeah. the summer here. <laughs> <laughs> This would be more or less the summary. Of course, as you know, Earth observation market is an emerging market. So there are a lot of opportunities out there. There are a lot of golden fish out there. But we're trying to focus on, on leveraging our operational experience. So ship detection is a nice one as well to fight against illegal fishing and or smuggling or, you know, whatever. And, and coastal erosion is another, another application that we're proud of. And where do you get your raw satellite imagery from? Which all satellites do you get this from? We work a lot with Copernicus data, uh, mm -hmm. so European Space Agency. Last year, uh, we were awarded by ESA in their uh, ESA startup competition with Constellar. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. that helped us to make a very direct connection with ESA. And it's going very, very well. But, you know, as, as any other startup in the domain, we use a lot Sentinel-1 and Sentinel-2. And when we need more revisit, more imagery, then we go to a private market. So as someone from the upstream, as someone who's working in the upstream, I'm always curious if there are enough satellites or not. So, <laughs> so is the satellite imagery, is the archived satellite imagery often sufficient for you? Or how often do you end up commissioning new satellite data? That is a very interesting question and, and it's something that we are trying to validate with the market demand. Uh, I remember last year speaking to a potential customer telling me, can you provide me one image per day in one hour? You know, one oh. hour of latency after. But, you know, uh, we have to tell them what is possible and what is not. But last year was impossible for us to, to reach that. But this year it's possible. It's totally possible. It's not going to be cheap, but it's possible, you know? It depends a lot on the use case. It depends a lot of, on, on, the, on the requirements of the, of the potential user. 
especially the maritime domain is the applications tend to be very demanding in terms of timeliness. So if you provide the information fast, okay, you provide a lot of value. But if you provide the information in 12 hours, there's nothing they can do with that information because this is the past, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yes. unfortunately, it, yeah, the ocean is a very dynamic environment. It's very dynamic. So things change very fast. If you're trying to search for a seat or if you're trying to follow an oil spill. So yeah, this is a challenge that we have in our market and we are working very hard with private uh, satellite operators in order to meet that demand. That's, that's good to know. So there's going to be much more uh, satellites to be made. So I'm glad being in the upstream. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, um, we are data hungry. We always celebrate when there's a new launch or there's a new company uh, trying to get in the, into this market and trying to launch satellites, even they're very, you know, small satellites. I think it's good news for everyone, for everyone, because it's democratization of space, uh, more, more data for everyone. And for us, it's, it's, you know, it's the base for us to build a, a business case. If there's no data, then we, we can do nothing. We are at the end of the supply chain. So, yeah, I, I remember six months ago saying a customer, I'm sorry, we cannot help you. There's no revisits enough to meet your needs or, or the latency, you know, we cannot provide the information that fast or the spectral resolution that you need is not in space yet. <laughs> There's always a lot of activity in the upstream, so I'm sure you'll get a decent number of satellites uh, and satellite imagery. Speaking of democratization of data, for in remote sensing applications, right, there are currently a lot of developer platforms. For instance, there is this open EO platform by ESA, and there's also the Google Earth engine. Mm -hmm. And also there are some companies that provide toolboxes for building custom applications. So do you see a future where this becomes mainstream or you know, some sort of an app store or a Google Play Store kind of an ecosystem emerging? Yeah, that is a very good question as well. So um, as you know, there are different opinions about this. So it is, is this marketplace thing going to succeed in the future or not? I don't know, really. I, I don't, I, honestly, I don't know. What I can say, and, and I suggest with some voices out there in the market, I suggest, uh, I, I totally agree on the idea that we have to, we have to provide value. And the value comes from understanding what the customer needs. Of course, there is a need there in making the access to data easy and, and affordable and scalable. There is a pain there, but it's not the pain of the end user. The end user doesn't know anything about a satellite. So, you know, it's like AI. For me, it's like AI. When, when we can use a, a tool that is powered by AI, but we don't know or we don't care, then we can say it's, it's democratized. It's a commodity. Even if it's very powerful, for instance, with satellite data, you know, yeah. uh, we should reach a point in, in where you don't have to explain how you do things. If, you, if you're using IoT or satellite, the, the user doesn't care. If you're solving their problem, then, you know, it's okay for them. So I definitely see a room for this kind of platforms, but I don't know if there's room for so many. Hmm. You know, I think 
from my own perspective, I might be wrong, but from my own perspective, there is a need for a lot of people with domain expertise and trying to find out and going very deep, very deep in the, into the use cases and, and remote sensing and analytic capabilities and AI. And how can we solve this problem? Okay, maybe at first we find the analytics and we find the process to solve this problem. Maybe at first it's not you know, very scalable or, or, you know, okay, but we can solve this later on. First of all, let's try to find the answer to this question that the customer is, is putting on the table. So you do have a lot of domain expertise and that definitely gives you an edge over a generic earth observation applications company, right? But however, uh, do you still face any problems in acquiring customers, any challenges in presenting your business case? Yes, yes, we do. Uh, I mean, like any startup, we do. So for instance, I, I come from the governmental institution, let's say, so from a public entity, for instance, Spain, I could say I, I know very well how things work in that domain. But for instance, one of our uh, main commercial targets is the oil industry as well. So they are potential polluters and, and they want to take care about these things. So first of all, it's an environmental threat for them as well. Uh, then uh, it's something about uh, responsibility. And, and third one, and this is something that many people forget, if you are losing oil in the ocean, it's not only environmental, you're losing the product that you're trying to sell to the people, right? So you're losing money as well. But we are not that familiar with that market. We have to learn from them. So although we may have a lot of operational experience and domain expertise on, you know, about remote sensing, we have to learn what is the pain for them. And we have to learn, why should I pay for this solution? What, we have to answer that question. So, yeah, we have to work very hard as well to try to understand very well uh, what is in their minds and, and if the you know, value proposition we are doing is correct. Mm. Okay. What scope is there for further innovation in the maritime domain from an Earth observation perspective? Wow, huge. <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you for the question. So one of our visions is that uh, you know, in phase three, we're, we're currently, I would say in phase two, so trying to combine AI and, and, and remote sensing in the maritime domain. The phase three would be put AI in orbit. As you know, it's, it's a very trendy scientific field now. So FISAT-1 was launched last year, which is the first civil experimental satellite with AI in orbit. It's a place where we want to be. It's a place where we want to be because for us, it's so clear that the future is there, so clear. So that for me is, yeah, a very clear path in, in, in advancing the, the, the applications. As, as I said, latency is an issue. Timeliness is an issue in the maritime domain. We, you have to be very fast. Okay, for instance, one of our dreams, I don't know, in five years time or three years time is to use satellites for search and rescue operations, for instance. So nowadays it's not possible because, you know, you test the satellite then the satellite is going to take an image over that place. I don't know, maybe in eight hours or maybe in five, we don't know. We have no control over that. And then uh, satellite uh, image has to be downlinked in a ground station, maybe in Antarctica. So it's a very complex supply chain. Uh, but if we have the AI, 
detecting uh, a ship in the satellite, then we have to send, you know, that the information that we have to send to the ground station is very light. It's not one gigabyte, it's kilobytes of information, but it's very valuable information. So this is where we want to be uh, definitely AI in orbit. Wow, that's, that's very interesting. Really looking forward. I mean, anything that, that adds more intelligence to the satellite pl- platform is quite exciting. Sure. <laughs> what skill set is required to enter the space of maritime applications uh, using Earth observation imagery, both as a professional and also as an entrepreneur? Mm. Well, I'm not, I don't know if I'm the right person to answer this. <laughs> How important, or maybe shall I rephrase it? How important is domain knowledge to enter this, to work in this space? So what skill set is needed for someone to work here? For us has been, has been proven to be crucial for us. You know, you can do uh, a lot of things with, without domain expertise, but it's going to take you a, a longer time to understand. What, what people are, are expecting from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on, on the technical side, there are a lot of things that, that you already know. So this is a very, very nice advantage, I would say. But this is the same problem that we have, for instance, if, you, if we try to, to find new business cases uh, working in, in adjacent markets. Like, you know, if you are an earth observation company, you, you get uh, people contacting you, can you do this? Can you do deforestation? Can you do wildfire detection? So it depends on the case we try to help. And other times we said no, because we are not, we, we don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I would say it's definitely a crucial advantage to have domain expertise. It's crucial. Uh, so, but having said that, if you uh, refer to, to the skill sets, so what kind of skill set we, we for instance, we look forward in, in our team. Um, I would say that, you know, earth observation and artificial intelligence are very good marriage. Uh, so we, for instance, in our team, we have ex- experts in AI and, and we, we are another group of uh, experts in remote sensing. And then we have a person that speaks both languages, <laughs> oh, wow. you know, very well, which is crucial as well. Again, you know, from, from my own perspective, passion is the first skill that you need. The first one, love what you do. Why do you wake up in the, you know, every morning? Because I love what I do, because this is what I do and this is my job. And I don't imagine myself doing anything else. <laughs> so having that, you learn anything. This is my point of view. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with that one. Passion, especially in the space industry, where everything yeah. is a huge challenge. Passion <laughs> is the only thing that drives you forward, you know, and not tear your head or <laughs> bang your head against the wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if uh, space enthusiasts or young professionals want to reach out to you, what's the best way? Well, my email is very simple. Uh, it's juan.orbitaleos.com. We got emails from, from young graduates on a weekly basis. We're happy to do that. We were not bothered at all. Of course, we cannot hire a lot of people because we're a small company. But our plan is to grow very fast this year. So if that happens, hopefully, uh, then we will, we will need a lot of talented and brave young students. And from what backgrounds are you expecting young students? 
from the background of AI, machine learning, and so on and so forth? Yeah, so AI is definitely a, a very interesting thing. Remote sensing, it's essential, I would say, uh, as well, because AI, it, it's perfect, but uh, an AI expert with not knowledge at all in remote sensing, it's a very difficult you know, to, to go forward. For instance, I think for me, the ideal profile is, is someone with a master's degree in remote sensing that, that then has been deepening into the AI world. Yeah, I mean, AI is the latest buzzword, so I'm sure you'll find a lot of very suitable potential candidates. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just a, a comment, uh, you know, something that we learned in the, in the master's degree is that, okay, AI helps you to retrieve the, the, the value from the data, the relevant, you know, the relevant answers that you're trying to find. But it's very, very important that you understand the physics behind the processes. It's very important because maybe the solution for the US problem is very simple. You know, you just use some remote sensing basic principles and, and then you solve it. You don't need a deep neural network for that. And unfortunately, we find out a lot of cases, you know, in which, in which people are using very fancy AI where there's no need for that, <laughs> you know? And there's a lot of effort and then there's a lot of computing power used uh, you know, for, for a problem that can be used with very basic remote sensing knowledge. That's interesting, especially if one is trying to implement this AI on a satellite platform, then the simpler it is, the better, the more suitable it would be. Yeah, absolutely. From the, yeah, from the perspective of either power consumption or the complexity or the mass budgets and everything else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's very great to know that domain knowledge can take away a lot of load from AI and make systems simpler. Great. Juan, thank you very much for a very interesting discussion. Usually maritime applications sounds a little boring, I guess, to space enthusiasts because they're <laughs> because they're always interested in the rockets and you know the big fancy things. But this is uh, this is this is really interesting. So I'm sure a lot of them will find it very exciting to work in. So thank you very much, Juan, for taking your time out. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, thank you to you. It's been my pleasure and, and it's been a very, very interesting conversation. So thanks a lot for, for you know, reaching out and making this happen. <laughs>